What a, what a coincidence that Bill read in Philippians there in chapter 3, no, chapter 4, the last verse there, verse 9. Um, These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. How many of us could say that? You know, like, live the way I'm living. And, um, And the God of peace will be with you. Paul not only practice that, but he, but he lived that very thing. And as, as Bill read that tonight, I got thinking about tonight's sermon and what we're going to talk about. And, you know, you could go back to Acts chapter 9 where the Lord called Paul and he was blinded. And Ananias, I think, was sent to pray and touch his eyes. And he said, I don't want to go there because have you heard about this guy? And God said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And then if we would, if we would go to chapter, I think it's uh, 12 of 2 Corinthians. Um, Paul not only suffered many things, um, he talks about the things that he suffered, but he also had a thorn in the flesh that he asked the Lord three times to take from him. Um, and God said, no. And he said, Paul, listen, you've been much privileged in your apostleship, in the revelation that I've given you, in the way I've used you. Let's, let's leave the thorn in the flesh because I know the nature of man and you could be puffed up. You could be proud. And he said, Let's, let's leave that. And Paul, you know what Paul said? Paul said, practice these things. Just accept what the Lord gives you. And be glad for it. No wonder Paul could say, follow my example. And you know, speaking of, of that, you know, what we read in, in Philippians there, what Pastor read in Philippians there. I, I just, as, as we read that, I thought, I was thinking of tonight and what Paul has gone through and what we're going to see tonight. And I think, I think Bill's exactly on the money there because I think, I think Paul many times fought on these things in the midst of the pain and the, and, the, and, the, and the beatings and the shipwrecks and the slanderings and just the heartache. Not only the heartache that he went through, but I think the heartache for the people that he gave the gospel to and seemingly received that like the Corinthians and then they were down the wrong road. I think his heart ached for them. And I think, I think he was reminded or he lived here, you know, I, maybe even when he was in the Philippian jail, he was thinking on what was, what was pure and what was good and what was right and what God was doing through him. And all of this, all of this stuff that he was going through, all of this suffering that he went through was minuscule. In the light of the gospel that he preached, and the in the light of the hope of glory and eternity with Jesus, I just I think he thought on these things. 
And he could tell people, honestly, practice what I practice. That said, we're going to look tonight at... Thanks for that introduction, by the way, Bill. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. I just, you know, the Lord dropped something in your lap and you're just like, my, what a coincidence the Lord would bring that to my heart at this moment. And, and that, that read, we're going to read in First in Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through um, 13. Paul's going to get a, get a little sarcastic here tonight. But you know, at the heart of that sarcasm is a desire for the people to listen and wake up. And um, Paul led a life, and that's the title of our message tonight, Humility in Life. And uh, our theme being, he was grateful in all things. Um, and I, I just, as I looked through this this week, I, I said to myself in our, my propositional statement this week, is I need a proper perspective biblically on who I am in Christ and a proper perspective on the now versus the, eternity, the eternal state that God has promised to me. We can get caught up in, in now and circumstances and forget the things that are lovely and pure and right and good and what God has promised to us. Um, Paul's going to go on in verse 6 here. We'll read these six verses and then um, here's a shocker. I've got two points. But we're going to talk about the conceit of the Corinthians and the humility of the apostles. Verse 6. Now these things... What things? These things, brethren, that I have figured, figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes. And what he has figuratively applied to himself and Apollos, because there was that division in the church. And some said they were of Apollos. Some said they were of Cephas. Some said they were of Paul. Some say, well, I was baptized by Paul. That's better than what you've got. Hmm. It shouldn't have been that way within the church. There shouldn't be division. There should be unity. And the things that he said, these things, he said, now these things, brethren, that I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos, what things? Things like being a proper builder. The foundation, the cornerstone is Christ. And the apostles built upon that foundation. And then the members of the church were to build on the foundation of Christ. And then what the apostles had built on, on top of Christ, the, the gospel preached the peace that God offers, the hope that God offers from the cross and the things that God had brought men to himself through this suffering of the Savior, that they had gone into philosophy and man's wisdom and had divisions and they were proud of these things that they had learned. And you know what they thought? They thought they had arrived. We're there. You could go to Revelation chapter 3, the Laodicean church. And God said, you think you're rich, you think you're there, you think you've come. And he said, really, you're poor, you're destitute, wake up. When you're trusting in the things of the world and trusting in the flesh of man and trusting in man's wisdom, you are, you are poor and destitute. God has planned and, and purposed things that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, that God would bring him, himself to earth in our midst and offer himself a sacrifice for our sins. And then be dead in a cave three days and brought back to life. And by simple faith and trust in him, we can have the forgiveness of sins. This life of humility, this life of, of practicing that building on that. And the life, he says, uh, as a farmer, we simply plant. And we plant the gospel. We plant seeds. But God is the one who brings the growth. God is the one who brings about life. 
from dead things, I'm always amazed at a little seed that's so dry and so insignificant will grow into this. Where, what, where does that life come from? I'll tell you what it comes from. It comes from God. God has planted that life and that, that DNA or whatever you want to call it inside that seed and it's there. And it has to die to come to life like a farmer or like a servant that we talked about that last week, an under rower. He said, now these things I figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes so that you would understand to follow us so that in us you may learn not to exceed. And that word exceed simply means so that you would not be puffed up. You would not think more of yourself. And you know what that puffed up basically could mean? I'm for me. And that's kind of what they were. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm for me. You know, we would put it this way in our vernacular today. Um, Paul might be saying to them, who do you think you are? Who do you think you would be without Christ? Where do you think you would be without Christ? I don't want you to be puffed up. I'm for me. And I don't want you to exceed what is written so that no one of you will become arrogant um, and puffed up to two and that and arrogant and, and exceed what is written um, to be uh, more than you think you should be. In other words, looking at yourself at the center and not God at the center, uh, arrogant on behalf of other, uh, one against another. Um, just don't do that. He's saying, I, I want to call you to our example to follow us and how we have worked and how we have built. Don't be um, self-absorbed. Um, don't be looking to self and I'm for me. Don't be blinded by pride. And pride will blind you. And it's so easy to go there. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Paul had that thorn in his flesh still. Because human nature can say, wow, I, I, am, I am so much more than the rest of them. And, and Paul had that thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Uh, in fact, you can look through all of the Old Testament. I was looking at some of these this week. Um, Abraham in Genesis 18 when he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what he said in verse 27? He said, Lord, I, I, I want to talk to you, but I know I really, what am I but dust and ashes? He said, what am I but dust and ashes? A humble spirit. We could go to, to Jacob in Genesis 32, 10, and he was coming back. He was about to face his brother Esau. And he said to the Lord, he didn't say, Lord, you know what? You promised me back then I deserve this. You know what he said? I don't deserve your loving kindness. Please give it to me. I don't deserve it. A humble spirit. Moses in Exodus 3, chapter 11, he, when he was told to go to the sons of Israel, you know what he said? Who am I that I should go? Who am I? I know he had some problems saying I'm not a good speaker and all that, but he did say initially, who am I that I should go? Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 15, when he was called to lead the army of 300, he had known at that time, but he said, I am the least of my family and the smallest of the tribe. I'm, who am I that I should go and that you would use me? You know, he didn't say to God, well, it's about time you woke up and called a warrior. He wasn't a warrior. He was in a, he was in a pit hiding from the Midianites, threshing some grain to have something to eat. Um, John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14 Jesus came to be baptized. He says, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. 
I'm not even deserving to stoop down and untie a thong of your sandal or tie one up. I'm, I'm, what am I? Who am I before you? Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, when he saw the, the miracle of the fishes and he fell down before Jesus and he said, Oh, woe is me, for I am a sinful man in your presence. He didn't say, well, it's about time you let me know who you were so that you could save me. He didn't say that at all. He was in awe and he was humbled before the Lord. Paul himself in Ephesians 3.8 said, I am the least of the apostles. And you could look at Philippians chapter 2 where Jesus didn't count it as his right to stay in heaven, but he humbled himself even to, the, even to death on the cross for us. A humble servant throughout the Bible. And Paul is just saying to them, you're not acting very humble here. You're acting exceeding what is written beyond the word of God, not following the word of God. You're arrogant. You're puffed up. You're for you. You're for yourself. Who do you think you are in the light of the Lord? And in verse seven, he says, now who regards you as superior? Who regards you as superior? For what do you have that you did not receive? And that's true of all of us. Where would we be without Christ coming to save us? We receive all. And you know what we receive? We see that. I wrote that in my Bible twice with exclamation points. Grace, all grace. What did I, what did I earn? What did I deserve? Nothing. What did I receive? Everything in Christ. Eternal life. Eternal life that begins today. When I trusted him as my savior. And it begins and it grows or it should grow. And that grace and knowledge and that, that wonder of him. He says, what, what, did you, what, did you, what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Pride in self and blindness. Why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? All is of grace and all is from God. So don't be warring against one another within the church. Don't be fighting against one another. Be in unity, in love for one another, and caring for one another. Paul could say, despite my sufferings, despite the things that I've gone through, I care and love you, and I want to see you grow in the right direction, in closeness with God, not the opposite direction, in pride and selfishness, which is the wrong direction. That's a direction that leads away from God, and that those things aren't from God. You've received every good and perfect thing is from the Father of lights, it says in James. You've received everything for salvation, everything pertaining to life. And everything in promises to see not only God's glory, to, but to participate in that one day. So he says to them, why do, you, why, do you, why do you act as if you hadn't received it? And why are you boasting these ways? There's nothing to boast about. In fact, he said earlier, if I were to boast in anything, if any man were to boast in anything, boast in this. Christ has done it all for me. Christ has done it all for me. And then he gets a little... A little bit in the conceit of the Corinthians, thinking more highly of themselves. Um, he gets a little more sarcastic here in, in verse 8. He says, you're already filled. Wow, you guys, have already, you guys have already arrived. You're already filled. You have already become rich. And you have become kings without us. And so they've kind of trusted self. And he's kind of calling them in this sarcastic line to think about where they are and why they are there in the church. If they've trusted Christ as their Savior, 
they should continue in him, close to him, in humility, grateful in all things, and yet they're puffed up, you're filled. I think I think you kind of go back to that arrogant, uh, you're already filled, you're already puffed up, you've already become rich, or at least you think you had, and you, you, you've become kings without us, and indeed I wish that you had become kings so that we might reign with you. And I think he's thinking more the millennial time when, when they, they'll reign in that millennial kingdom. He said, I wish that time were already here, but it's not here. And you've not arrived yet. But you just think you have. You think you've already been filled. You think you're already rich. And the truth is, the truth is, these things are of the world and these things are foolish in comparison with God. With God's wisdom. Think correctly. We could go back to Philippians again. Paul could say, Practice what I practice and think on these things. Think on these things. Whatever is lovely and pure and whatever is right and whatever is good report, who is that but God? Think on him and on his grace to you and on his, his giving you that righteousness you need. Think on these things so that you might, uh, so that you might not be puffed up, not be thinking too highly of yourself. And then the second point, the humility of the apostles. Uh, they knew who they were and or they, who they were and why they were there and for what reason God had given them this uh, great thing. You know, Paul was, a, Paul was a special man. He was. He was a special man. He was an apostle of God. Most of the New Testament, God used Paul to write to you and me today. He was a special man, but he wasn't a puffed up man. He was a humble man. He was a man of humility. And Paul's, Paul's driving force for his whole life, and I think it's, it applies to you and I today, the driving force in his life was the gospel and the cross of Christ plus nothing. And he preached that unashamedly. And he lived it zealously, despite what would happen to him. And there are a lot of things that happened to him. We'll talk about that in a second. In fact, this humility of the apostles or, or of, of Paul, of what all he went through and what, you know, not a, and I don't want to puff up Paul too much because I really believe this with all my heart, that it's in, that it's in God's word that, that Paul said, when I am weak, I am strong. You know why he said that? Because where I can't make it, God makes me make it. And the power of the Holy Spirit works in my life when I'm ready to give up. Maybe he was, had those thoughts sometimes. He was human, by, what, by the way. And he suffered much. He was in prison. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. But his driving force in his life was that there was no other hope but the gospel. There was no other hope for eternal life but through Jesus Christ. And he was not only willing to suffer for those things, he was willing to die for those things. And he says here in verse 9, he says, For I, or for, I think, God has exhibited or put us apostles on exhibit, has exhibited us apostles last of all. You'd think they'd be first of all, wouldn't you? Last of all. Why would that be? As men condemned to death. And they kind of were. I mean, if their Lord and Savior, if Jesus Christ suffered persecution and suffered uh, slander and, and eventually death on the cross, shouldn't his followers should expect kind of the same thing? 
In fact, I think Jesus said that. Don't be surprised when they persecute you. They persecuted me. And they slandered me. And they killed me. And those that follow me are put on exhibit, Paul says, as apostles, as men condemned to death because we have become spectacles to the world, both to angels and to all men. That word spectacle has a, has a military connotation to it. It's like when a, when a conquering king or an emperor would come back into town, he would make a spectacle of those sentenced to death. In fact, the last ones that would enter the arena were those that were the least of their prisoners that were sentenced to death. He had made a spectacle of them, kind of put them on display. They were willing to do that. So they'd been made a spectacle, put on display as defeated, defeated in the world's eyes, but not in God's eyes. Put as a spectacle, spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sakes. We are fools to be wise, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, to be wise, you must renounce your own wisdom and follow the Lord. You know, I think the Apostle Paul did that. He renounced his own wisdom. He wanted to know, what did he say earlier? I made it my point to know nothing amongst you except for what? Christ crucified. And he said, I didn't come with flowery words or eloquent speeches or tricky, you know, things of the world. I came to you with the pure and simple Gospel. Oh, that we would get back to that in our churches in America today. To just preach Jesus Christ perfect in every way, that God man who came and brought many to glory through his suffering, through his death and burial and resurrection, that we would just get back to the simple gospel truth and preach that unashamedly in our churches in America today. And we would make Christ and his gospel, the wisdom of God, the center of our worship. And he said, we've been, we're fools for Christ's sake, but, we're, but you are prudent in Christ. You know more than us. He's kind of just getting sarcastic here again. We are weak, but oh, you're strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. So not only were they fools, but they were willing to suffer, willing to give up things so that people could receive all things in Christ freely. So he says, to this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and we're poorly clothed and roughly treated and homeless. And we toil working with our hands. All of these things. You know, if God would have told Paul beforehand what he was signing up for, how many would take that job? But what did God tell Paul? And he tells you and I today, but we sometimes don't believe it. My grace is sufficient for you. I'll help you through this. May not go away. There may still be pain. There may still be some suffering. But my grace is sufficient for you. And the promises that I've made to you for glory and in my presence away from the presence of sin forever they'll be kept. They can be counted upon. They're the hope that we hang on to. They're the hope that I think hung on to. And all of these things, poorly clothed and roughly treated and homeless, and we toil and we're working with our hands. Uh, when we are reviled, we bless. And when we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. When we have become a scum of the world. So not only were they suffering, but they were considered a scum of the world and dregs of all things. I'll tell you what that means. I was reading a little bit. Of, you know what? It, I, 
as I read about that this week, it means I just went in the chicken coop and I came out and I'm going like this to get the scum and the dregs off my feet. It's called chicken poop. That's what it means. It was like scrapings off the bottom of your feet. The things you don't want there anymore. He said, we've become like that to the world. But to God, we're his children. To God, we are precious in his sight. The world says, what are you wasting your life for? The world says, you fool. And Paul would say, thank you for calling me a fool. He says, humble in spirit. The road to glory is through suffering. Jesus proved that. Eternal weight of glory far outweighs the sufferings of this life. In the world's opinion, we don't matter. But to God, who uses us to call others to himself, we matter in eternal things. It matters to God. Now, I know you might be thinking, what does this have to do with you and I today? Um, Paul's example, this was for them and there, not for us and now. A couple of things, just as we close. I think if we were more like Paul, you know, we tend to, we tend to think, yeah, I, I, I agree with Paul. I agree with Paul. But in the truth, we live a little more like the Corinthians. We want to be honest with ourselves. It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to have a home and all of those things. We don't need to be homeless and we don't need to be the dregs and the scum of the earth, particularly. It's, how our, it's, our, it's our motive and our attitude of what we think of those things. Do we hang on to those tightly? I think if we stand against the world's wisdom, we would identify a little more today with Paul. If we just take a stand against the world's wisdom about marriage about the sanctity of little lives, um, about uh, sexual orientation. If we take a stand against the world's wisdom about those things, I think we'd, we'd stand a little closer to know that the Apostle Paul's sufferings could be our sufferings today. And they may end up being that way soon anyway. And secondly, I think if we kind of stand against the status quo and take a stand on justice. What's, what's right in God's eyes isn't right in the world's eyes. But the world's not right. And its system isn't right. If we take a stand on what's true justice and preach that, that God is the judge of all. And God will make all things right. And we warn folks. And you know how we warn folks? We stay true to the gospel. That's the only thing that's going to save people. You know, we, we see all the time. We're going to, I saw it this week on TV. Stop hate, promote love. They don't know what either one is. We need to stop hate, but you know what it stops? It stops in individual hearts when they receive Jesus Christ as their savior. And then we receive, as it says in Romans chapter 5, we receive the love of God poured into our hearts. And we're changed from the inside out. And man's wisdom has it backwards. 
Let's change the outside and we won't care about the inside. Let's just make it a better world and world peace and stop hating, promote love. We need to take a stand against the world's wisdom and the status quo. And we'll identify with the Apostle Paul and say, I count these things but rubbish in the surpassing greatness of coming into this right relationship and coming into the promises one day. You know, I think Paul, I think Paul loved people so much that he didn't want to go. And he loved Jesus so much, he couldn't wait to leave. We need to be a little more like that. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you for um, the example of the Apostle Paul to us and for the, just the call, call to, call to arms a little bit to, to just stand up for the truth, stand up for the gospel, and think upon the right things and practice them and live there. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen.